Hello everyone and welcome to Back of the Grid. I'm your host this week, Chris, and I'm joined just by Tom this week. Hi. Stu's a, a poorly boy, so hope you get well soon, Stu. Yes. Um, and we're here, unusually for this time of year, to do some news. Normally everything goes very, very quiet this time of the year, and instead we've sort of had a second silly season of sort of team principals and senior staff it's been very strange bonus silly season bonus content because i guess that's what people wanted i guess (laughs) (laughs) it's what we've got either way um so i guess the first bit we kind of knew and expected which is that after Mattia Bonotto's departure from ferrari uh, frederick vasseur has been announced as ferrari's new team principal leaves Sauber after six years with the team um I mean he was kind of the first name everyone thought of wasn't he when that yeah. job became instantly vacant. linked with it pretty much yeah um and I, I think we talked about it a few weeks ago it, it makes a lot of sense like Sauber and Alfa Romeo have had links to Ferrari for a while and he's he seems quite highly regarded so I think probably a good choice for Ferrari there yeah I, I think <sighs> it's one of those things where I'm still not happy that they keep just chopping and changing the team principal without looking any deeper into it. However, I would hope Freddy Vasseur can uh, instigate some change and maybe get them to look a bit deeper (laughs) than that for once. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting one. I mean, it'd be nice to see how how he does a a team that's like next step up. I, I mean, how long did you say he'd been at Sauber? Uh, six, six years, years so yeah he's been there where was he before that i feel Ooh. like he was somewhere else before that good question i'm actually not sure off the top of my head i feel like he was sort of i feel like i already knew him when he was at Sauber, and i'm trying to remember why yeah of what he was doing before was he part of renault maybe and Possibly. like lower and like the lower formulas like the formula two stuff and and what have you um, I'm getting yeses in chat, so I'm assuming I'm along, along okay, the there we lines. Go. <laughs> so I probably know him from like F2, well not F2, it'll be in GP2 days at the time. Yeah. And like kind of he's worked his way up through. So, I mean, it's good to see that he's climbed a rank each time, I guess, you know, like yeah. whether it's a formula or, or a team or whatever it might be, he's, he's always made progress. So mm-hmm. hopefully it's a, a good thing for Ferrari and him. Yeah, one one interesting thing that kind of goes back to, I think, what we were discussing a couple of weeks ago around sort of uh, the different approaches different teams have be having kind of one person in charge of everything or splitting roles between different people. Uh, Mattia Bonotto, as well as team principal, he was also the managing director of the entire sporting division, whereas... Um, Fred Vasseur is just, I say just, he's going to be team principal and general manager of the team, which sounds mm. kind of like they're maybe going away from this one figurehead that covers everything and have, you know, him do with the team principal bit and then have some other people around, kind of like the structure McLaren and a few other teams have gone for. Yeah, makes sense. And I think it does make sense, like... Again, not to repeat ourselves, but Bonotto was very, very good on the technical side. And perhaps he should have been left to just be good at the technical side rather than having um, fingers in many pies. Well, yeah, I mean, that that's where he made his name, isn't it? That's exactly where he made his name. Yeah. And it is, it is a shame. Um, I think... Well, I suppose he'd probably quite easily get into a job in that again if he wanted one. Mm-hmm. I would understand if he wanted a sabbatical between now and getting yeah. a, another job <laughs> in the sport, depending on the team. I mean, ultimate irony would be him going somewhere like Sauber. But that, I mean, that's, well, we'll get to that. That's not the <laughs> point in that. Yeah, I can maybe no see him turning, turning up in like sports cars or something like Yeah something like that but yeah i i agree i think we might not hear from him for a year or two to <laughs> have a rest <laughs> um but yeah that does bring us on to sauber because it kind of 
started a bit of a, a cascade of things. Um, so Vasseur leaving left Sauber needing a team principal, and that is actually still the case. <clears throat> so Frederick Vasseur, as well as being team principal at Sauber, he was also CEO and... I think he held like a third role as well at Sauber. Uh, Sauber have just filled the CEO role part, and that is with Andreas Seidel, who they have poached from McLaren. He was team principal there for four years, and he's now going to be the CEO of the Sauber group. Um, like he, He's got experience kind of with Sauber and with the VW group from the past. He was part of the... BMW Sauber F1 team um, in the sort of when was that like 07, 08, 09 sort of yeah, period I guess sort of, yeah. um, then he's also done some other stuff with BMW he worked for Porsche in World Endurance Championship so he obviously still you know knows people there and obviously with Audi taking over that team in 2026 you can see why that would be attractive to him yeah um, definitely Big loss for McLaren, though, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've, we talked about it in... I don't know if it's been this season or more last season, but one of the part com, sort of components, I guess, one of the parts of um, McLaren's turnaround from the Honda disaster was partly when Andreas Seidel joined the team. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not solely him that's made the change, but he was a key component in it, I would say. So I think that maybe... I mean, I'm not going to say... I want to blame it all on, like, the the driver situation because I think that's... It's too simplistic a thing to blame it on. But mm-hmm. events like that, plus whatever else you can maybe concoct up and imagine that goes on behind the doors from a higher management point of view, maybe it's like, do you know what, I'll take a punt on a on a factory team coming back into the sport. Like like you say, yeah, he's got the connections sure. um with German motorsport in particular. So a job like Audi is hundred percent gonna appeal to him from his history. Yeah, like you say, you'll have to look at his history of who he's worked with and when. Um, exactly, yeah. To show that A is successful and B enjoys working with German manufacturers. So yeah a smart move for him i think to be fair yeah i think so as well like it gives him a few years to sort of bed in and start you know getting things going the way he wants in time for audi to come in in 2026 and yeah i think that that's the key bit is both sauber and he have made the move early to like signify this is a long-term plan um yeah so yeah it's it'll be be interesting to see how he gets on moving over there and you know mm. fingers crossed we start seeing like a, a sauber improvement over over the next couple of seasons and then pushing more into that top half of the table more yeah, consistently um over at mclaren they have promoted andreas stella to team principal um so he was previously their executive director of racing um he, so he started off at Ferrari. He was performance engineer for Michael Schumacher and Kimi Raikkonen. Then he was race engineer for Raikkonen and Fernando Alonso. Then he joined McLaren in 2015. He's been their head of race operations, performance director, and then racing director. So although he's not as well a known name as a lot of these other ones, he's someone who's been around big teams and world champions for a good many years now. So um, like on... At first glance, this did it felt a little bit like, uh, oh no, we've lost the team principal. Who have we got that can step into the job? But the more you read his CV, you know, I, I obviously this wasn't a planned thing for McLaren, but I'm sure, you know, as that Brown's a shrewd guy, I'm sure in the back of his head for a while now he's been like, if we find ourselves in a situation where we do need a new team principal this guy is probably the man for the job. Yeah, I mean, his name's close enough that they have to make minimal changes to anything that his name... That Very Andrea true. Seidel's name's printed on. That's I can only assume Andre Lotter will be their next team principal because they're just dropping a letter every time. <laughs> so, no, joking aside, um, it's 
he's obviously i mean it's similar to benotto's rise to where he got isn't it like worked in teams been engineers and you know like just kind of worked through the ranks within it within a team to the point where a, a job opportunity like this comes up so i think that's a nice thing about this i mean until starting to look into him because i've been announced as the replacement genuinely didn't really know much about the person mm-hmm. without digging in so it'd be interesting to have like a i guess a bit of an unknown i just hope that it doesn't backfire <laughs> <laughs> um because he's i think he's different having someone that's unknown to formula one for some people but is clearly an accomplished team leader like for example seidel was in in things yeah. like world endurance and so on compared to somebody that's come through the ranks but i mean i think benotto did a good job in that yeah. sort of guys and the, i think the difference for me like i guess the the comparison i draw is I already knew Bonotto quite well within the sport, you know, if I'm following it for years. Yeah. You've always seen him as a key part of Ferrari. And maybe it's just me being a little bit uh blinkered and not noticing, but yeah, I've not I've not noticed um Stella as as much as I did Bonotto. Yeah. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Not necessarily. It's certainly name I sort of recognise, but not like yeah, I didn't know about what he had done in his previous sessions nearly as much. You're thinking of the uh, alcoholic beverage there, I think, Chris. <laughs> Damn Stella <it>. Artois. <laughs> <laughs> um, so who would you say is, like, the winner in all of this? Like, who's come out of all this? <laughs> Depends on how you look at it, right? In terms of, in terms of everyone being a winner... The Seidel Sauber scenario is probably overall. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. Freddie Vasua is a winner in the sense that he's jumped up to like a top tier team, mm-hmm. um, and providing he proves his worth, he'll be rewarded as such. But he could also lose his job within twelve to eighteen months <laughs> if things don't go well. So highest kind reward. There. Yeah, um, I think Stella's quite a big winner in some regard because. As someone has like worked his way up through the ranks in the team to then jump to uh, team principal, like that's that's a win. Mm-hmm. It's just whether or not, um, yeah, it's whether or not that one works out. So I'd, I'd be interested to see all three, but I think like the biggest win-win all round is definitely Seidel with Sauber and Audi. Yeah, um, I will say though, with Audi coming in twenty twenty six. I reckon McLaren have got probably about 18 months now to convince Lando Norris to stay because you know he's going to be top of uh, Andrei Seidel's shopping list for yeah. Audi Works driver now. Um, yeah. I think I think there is a very good chance we'll see Norris go to Audi in 2026. I mean, if the car's good, why yeah. wouldn't you? Definitely, and so when, especially if McLaren can't take a step forward in the next couple of years. When is his contract up at um, McLaren? Because it was quite a long one, wasn't it? He's one of he's got him and yeah. uh, Leclerc have got two of the longest contracts on the grid, so it probably times about right for end of twenty twenty five. Yeah, yeah. So. There you go. So it times about right for that changeover. Anyway, um, that'd be interesting. Yeah. And another thing I've seen suggested is that with, you know, I don't want to try and guess ahead of time how Vasseur is going to run things at Ferrari, but obviously uh, Charles Leclerc drove for him at Sauber and I think drove for him in junior formula as well at one point. So, you know, there's a history with them. And if that team does become even more of a team Leclerc, maybe having a, a Sainz and Norris reunion at Audi is not completely off the cards come 2026 as well. Oh, my word. Stop but, uh, Stop making me dream. Getting ahead of ourselves now. Then I can have two drivers that I love in the same team again. What? That's crazy. And then I, don't, I can bin my Ferrari hat and go back <laughs> to wearing other teams' hat. At some point in my Formula 1 sporting career, I will have supported every team that's ever existed for some reason or <laughs> or another. You just, find a, you just find a nice looking hat and then find a reason to support that team. I think that's how it goes. Uh, I'm not that fickle. Although I did, 
I did only buy the Alonzo hat because it was cool and multicolored, is and it was signifying his original retirement. <laughs> if I had technically, I didn't buy that. Stu sent me that. So oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I still wear it though. <laughs> Kimoa. <laughs> um, and then in a last chunk of uh, team principal news, uh, at Williams. Team Principal Joss Capito and Technical Director Francois Xavier de Maison have both stepped down from their positions. Um, they've both been there for two years since Doralton Capital took over. Um, so it was, it's interesting because Joss Capito was, he used to be a um, VW Motorsport and he was supposed to retire and then he agreed to sort of delay retiring to go to williams and the kind of statement williams put out almost sounded like oh he, now he is going to retire mm. but the fact that demazon is leaving as well and if you look back over interviews with the two of them over the last couple of years everything they've said has been very much about it's a long-term project it's going to take four to five years to really see the impact of what we're doing here so it feels a lot to me like they are stepping down because they were asked to, not because they've chosen to. That's that's my read on the situation anyway. Yeah, it's a weird, wasn't it? Weird one, isn't it? Because they they weren't talking like stepping down, like you say. So, yeah, whether it's a, a bit of a f- jump before pushed, um, it's it's interesting to know. It'd be interesting to basically hear from them a little bit more in a little bit more detail once they just settled on it. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, I think Jost Kapital. I I thought he was a, a little bit like maybe not um, as much of an influence as Seidel was being at McLaren, but I was starting to feel like I was seeing the positive changes at Williams in terms of the way that they were working since the takeover and. Yeah, and there seemed to be a positive element coming out of his leadership there. But I'm, I'm I mean, I feel like um, the venture capital bunch maybe don't feel the same. But if, that's if me this being is, clearly uh, yeah, theorist. <laughs> if this is them being asked to step down because they want to replace them, then I think that's quite short sighted on the part of yeah um, the owners. I'd agree. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll find out a bit more. There's no nothing official on who's going to be replacing them yet. Um, Susie Wolf's name has been bandied around quite a lot. Um, obviously, she had quite a lot of success um, in a team principal role in Formula E. Um, so whether she'd want to do that, I don't know, because I think she stepped away from that because it was taking up so much of her life, especially with obviously yeah. Toto being away so much as well from home but um i guess i guess at least they'd be away from home together now yeah <laughs> rather true. than separately because i mean and you've got quite long-standing ties with williams so mm-hmm. williams and mercedes yeah. yeah yeah but yes tom will tell um and that's it for team principal moving for now but there are still some holes on the grid so um there will be some more needed in the next month or two mm-hmm a uh, couple of other bits. There's been a lot of talk recently about Ford potentially emerging as a partner for Red Bull powertrains from 2026 onwards. Um, so Honda are kind of sticking around now until the end of 2025 to support Red Bull in the um, powertrain development and, and there's going to be Honda branding on the cars and stuff. Of course. Yeah. Now it's winning. <laughs> exactly, yeah. They want to stay. Um, and then obviously there's all the talk with the Porsche deal, but that seems to have completely fallen away now. Um, and yeah, there's a lot to talk now that Ford are interested in coming back as in some kind of partner roles who, you know, I, I, it doesn't look like they'd be wanting to come back as a manufacturer, but like a Red Bull powertrains, Ford sticker, blue oval badge on it kind yeah. of vibe. Um, interestingly, the last time Ford were in F1 was when they owned the Jaguar team until 2004 when they sold the team to Red Bull. So a weird little full circle if that does happen. But um, yeah, something to keep an eye on. There's been there's been a few rumblings of like American manufacturers showing interest behind the scenes for a while now. So yeah, one to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine a Ford badge looking nice on a Red Bull though, just saying. It does sound a bit weird, doesn't it? 
it's, it's just visually I can't picture it. Like the Honda one works because it's in the red and yeah. they just put the red on the same as the Red Bulls in the red. But yeah, I think the blue Ford badge would maybe not look so great, but that's not no. my problem. <laughs> that's the design team's problem. <laughs> uh, and then we've got a few bits of circuity news. Um, Halpert Park has extended their Australian Grand Prix pre- deal now to 2037, which is a ludicrously long deal they've got. F1 might not exist at that point. How can I, I know, deal right? that long? When I first read that, I genuinely thought it was a misprint. <laughs> that is insane, actually. 2037. Yeah. That's, um, what is that? That's 15, 14, 15 years? Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. Um, interestingly as well, that deal also includes a guarantee that they will have the season opening race for at least five of those seasons up to 2037. Um which I mean, are, which in the grand scheme of things, that's not actually that many, is it? Over five, that time period, five, no. five out of 14 is not actually that many. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were initially supposed to hold the first race again, I think, in 2024. But they've... It sounds like a lot of the early races are going to get shuffled around because of ra- the time of year Ramadan uh, lands in 2024. So uh, okay. I think Saudi Arabia and Bahrain have both asked to be moved. So it sounds like Saudi Arabia is maybe going to be the first race in 2024 now, but that's a while off. Um, yeah. But yeah, 2025 is probably going to be Australia as the opening race, which I know it's just the era of F1 I grew up watching, but it, but it just feels right having australia as the first race like that, that yeah. just just how it should be for me but i know that's just because it always was when i was growing up watching it yeah i think it's i i the vast majority of the time i watched it it's been the first or one of the first race in the season i do vaguely remember a time where it was at the end of the season um like back in the, it was the nineties, like the Schumacher Hill days. Yeah, having Brazil and Australia was the last two, which makes no sense at all. Yeah. Um. So I sort of remember that era, but yeah, definitely start of the season has generally been where I've always seen and remembered Australia. Yep. Uh, Zandvoort have extended their deal as well, but they've own they haven't got quite as long. They're extended to twenty twenty five. So just a, a few more years for now for Zandvoort, but given the... I mean, they've, they've said next year's already sold out. I think that race is going to be around for a while. It's, but that race yeah. is basically going to be there until Verstappen retires, I think, at this point. Yeah, Un- unless unless some other Dutch phenomenon comes through and destroys Nick everyone DeVries. in the field. Well, yeah, unless... <laughs> but Nick's older than Max, isn't he? Yeah, he is. So if anything, he'd go before Max did. <laughs> Yeah, as long as there's Dutch uh, drivers performing on the grid, then there's a couple I imagine... coming through the feeder series at the moment as well. Yeah, so like uh, Guido van der Gaard was Dutch, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah, so it's not like the days of Guido where uh, <laughs> he's just kind of trundling along at the back. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um, and then finally in. Circuit news, we've got confirmation of the six sprint races that are taking place next season. Hmm. So the first one is going to be in Baku, which sounds is an interesting choice, I would say. Mm-hmm. If the if the sprint play, races F2 have had there or anything to go by, that could be a, an interesting one. Um, Austria, again, which I think makes sense. The one we had in Austria worked pretty yeah, well. Yeah, Austria's worked well. Um, Belgium, interestingly, um, which given the length of Spa, is going to be like an eight-lap race or something. Yeah, it's not going to be many laps, that one. Yeah. Uh, then Qatar is going to be one because we're returning to the La Salle circuit next year. Of course year, we are. Which is a very strange choice for a sprint race given it wasn't the best of racing in the Grand Prix there last year, so don't know about mm. that one. Um, the United States Grand Prix at Cota, which I think is a very, very good choice. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, Brazil again, which has proved itself on a couple of occasions now to be the sprint race location. Like, it's been far and away the best ones there, so I think it yeah. very much makes sense. I think that, that, one's, that one's easily 
the best shout out of most. Well, out, out of all the ones that we've had, I'd say that's always been the best one. Definitely. Um, I I would still like sort of bigger circuits like Cota and places like that and Silverstone to consider like for them to consider the alternate layouts of the track for the sprint races just to add mm. a little different element into it because obviously you could have the shorter version of Cota where during all the S's you sort of loop back round onto the back straight yeah or like you could have maybe maybe Silverson's not the best idea because you'd just be basically looping around cops constantly <laughs> uh, you just constantly have somebody going through cops it's a bit too short but like my sort of thought is on these bigger circuits where it's possible why are they not experimenting with those ideas I guess maybe it's to do with the uh, the infrastructure around those sections of circuits are not up to the same grading as the main circuit I don't but I'd have thought it should all be to the same quality yeah. should it not so yeah that's a good point there isn't I guess there's a minimum length but yeah. yeah but it shouldn't matter in the sprint race should it not so much no and the the minimum length of the GP the length of the circuit doesn't affect that they just, they just change how many laps it is like well yeah I don't. I don't think there's a minimum length to a circuit for a lap. Mm. It's just about the minimum. No, I think there is distance. That's, that's one of the rules that just gets waived for Monaco. I think. I think. I think there is a minimum think, length of like three and a half kilometers or something. I think Monaco is a long enough circuit. My, my impression with the Monaco rule being waived, I could be wrong on this, but my impression of that was always it was the time constraints. So, it was. It's a long. It's. It's fine by all the rules. The problem is that because it's so much slower than a normal race circuit, that it would, for it, you wouldn't complete the race distance in in a, a lot of time, basically. So it's got a bit yeah, of yeah. an exemption. I could be wrong. Um, that might be different now, but I always yeah, thought it, that was the is, case. It is minimum of three point five kilometers for a f1 circuit interesting. and interestingly in the rules as well you can't have a straight longer than two kilometers which i didn't know was in the oh rules that that scuppers the idea of the which track was it you were joking about the other day there was a meme circulating was it the really long straight line in saudi oh yeah it was yeah the the lion <laughs> city yeah so how long is that straight line <laughs> and something stupid like 15 kilometers i think oh yeah carve that one then Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you d you did sort of touch on the bigger problem here, which is that like circuits they pick don't really matter when the format, if the format remains the same, which is yeah. not a great format. But yeah. we have talked that to death. Sorry, Sarah um, just made a good point in the chat of this is probably why Jeddah has so many quote unquote corners yes, that aren't really, really corners because the straights would be so much longer and maybe not convene with that rule. <laughs> <laughs> um the so interesting the six sprint races are split sort of three first half of the season three second half because belgium's actually going to be the first half of the season next year which feels very weird yeah um it does mean that the uh, two of the sprint races are um consecutive races within a triple header at the end of the season wow. which is going to be a lot of uh I mean, a lot for the teams to handle, a lot for the power units to handle. Um, also, having three sprint races that late in the season means there's a pretty good chance that we'll have a world championship decided on a Saturday, which is uh, something that they've traditionally tried to avoid having happen in the past, but it's entirely possible with that setup now. I'm just thinking that that'll be USA and Brazil, won't it? Yes. For the for the two the two that are in the triple header. Is the is the other one in the triple header Mexico? Uh in amongst that. Yes, I believe it is. Interesting. So yeah, basically that, that little run in sort of cent north, central, south America across the Americas could basically decide a title. Yeah. Actually, no. Sorry, there's Me Mexico is in between them. So the back-to-back -back ones are uh, Qatar and USA, but there's a week's gap in between the two of them. So there's a week's gap between the two that are back-to-back, -back, but yeah. then the second one of them... Uh, but then the other two are in a three-week run with Mexico sandwiched in the middle. Yes, I believe that's right. Oh, wow. 
So yeah. within the space of one, two, three, four, five weeks, you've got three sprint races. Pretty much, yeah. And another normal GP yep. weekend and one week. Wow. It's going to be a busy end of the season again. Team, like team members, as in just anyone that is part of that team, I don't think they consider them at all anymore, do they? When the burnout is just going to be horrific. Absolutely. Horrific. And then don't forget, after I've done all of that, they've then got to do um, Vegas and Abu Dhabi back-to-back for the last two races of the season as well. It's, wow. yeah, it's going to be ridiculous. Mad. But, as you say, I don't think they're really thought about um, anymore. And then, final little bit of news, we've already got our first launch date of the new season. Wow. Aston Martin are launching their AMR23 on Monday the 13th of February, which is 10 days before the first test in Bahrain. And that brings us up to date with newsy bits. So shall we do a bit of inbox to finish up? Yeah, I'm so slightly gobsmacked that a team's already announced a car launch. Keen, very keen. <laughs> have they already finished it? That's the question. If they have, they need to carry it. They need to rethink <laughs> that. They've like, already yeah, we're used done. all Annou- their budget cap. Announce the launch, we're done. <laughs> right, yeah, let's do Let's do some inbox. Uh, keep it saying now. Stay, stay out. Okay, let's start with Benson, who says, um, who do you see benefiting most from the drivers and team principal merry-go-round we've had since the end of the season? I think it is the team that aren't actually here yet, which is Audi, isn't it? Like, I think this this put is one of a number of things recently that's putting a lot of stuff into place for Audi to really hit the ground running in 2026. Yeah, I think it's like we are just sort of touching on before as well like there's, there's elements of benefit for lots of individual people up and down the the grid from these changes but i the only place where i can see like a multitude of benefits for a multitude of people is the whole sauber audi infrastructure uh, i guess the only person that's probably not going to benefit from that is unless joe grand has some really good performances under Seidel he might not last too much longer at Sauber mm-hmm. just because yeah. we know that Seidel does not um, does not take kindly to <laughs> underperforming drivers um, that's for sure so the, I mean yeah the, it might lead to the, the changing and maybe the, the dream lineup that we joked about so <laughs> maybe the drivers don't benefit from that but I think as a whole the, the most beneficiaries definitely come from the Seidel to Sauber totally agreed uh next from ronald uh next year tire blanket temperatures will continue to drop to just 50 degrees for front and rear and from 2024 tire warmers uh they're talking about no longer being allowed what are your predictions for the next seasons who would benefit from this personally i look at the wet weather specialists like lewis max and fernando um i would say those uh good options to have like some form of benefit from it um because that's those colder temperatures are definitely the hardest time to to put temperature into the tires to then get them to perform but it all it really depends on what Pirelli do with the compounds doesn't it like if Pirelli make a softer more pliable compound that's more reactive it might make the the tire blanket removal like redundant anyway um i think what's happening at the moment is maybe the tires are still in a of a similar kind of compound to what they were when the the blankets were allowed to be higher temperature and teams and drivers have spent this season maybe working out a lot of that so whether pirelli make changes whether the team make changes to like outlap routines I think over time, teams will probably get on top of it. I mean, there was a time where we never had them in the first place anyway, wasn't there? So Yeah. Um, like, it's not like we've always had them and drivers don't know what to do without them. And lower formulas don't 
necessarily have them or not to the same degree like it's i would say it's exclusively a formula one thing because that is not but i think that these are some of the best drivers and best engineers in the world i think between them they can work out how to get around tire blanket temperature changing and being removed completely it's certainly going to put a lot more emphasis on building cars that are able to like switch their tires on quickly Um, yeah without without going to the point of destroying them yeah. And I think that's the balance that teams have been struggling to find is making a car that can switch the tires on but without taking them over the limit because um, I feel like that's been like a Ferrari problem this season yeah. to some degree is finding that balance. Um, I mean, to be fair, Red Bull in, in the previous iteration struggled with something similar where they'd burn the tires up, wouldn't they? They'd, they'd be good mm. at switching them on but then they wouldn't last. So they've kind of got a handle on that which which i guess goes back to what i was saying before like the teams will work out the compound it depends on what pirelli change and how pirelli manage the compound i guess more than anything yeah i i don't love it as a change to be completely honest I, my, my biggest concern is that by banning tire warmers you're gonna make outlaps even more difficult and slow than they already are and if teams yeah. aren't already pushing for one-stop tra- strategies whenever possible they're definitely going to with their tire warmers so uh, they need to be careful about like how much they are dictating strategy by doing this and probably yeah. have some tough work to do around it definitely definitely um anti-marbles says is red bull trying to intimidate checo by bringing back danny rick Hmm. It's interesting, isn't it? Him going. It's really interesting going back to Red Bull. Like it wasn't that long ago we were all sat here saying, "No, that's he's been. He's never going back there. That'll never happen." And and now it has. And after we eat a hat, apparently is what yeah, I said. I can see it's pretty clear what Ricardo is getting out of it. I think it's harder to see what Red Bull get out of it. Like, Red Bull are not short of drivers. Yes, a lot of their drivers are inexperienced, but, like, if it really came to it and they needed a driver to step in, they've got plenty. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily trying to intimidate Checo, but I guess they hope that the presence of a more senior driver around is going to help get the best out of Checo. Like you know push him to keep operating at the highest level he can yeah i suppose i don't know if that kind of stick works with checo i see checo is more of a carrot guy than a stick guy but yeah yeah i i don't know i don't know him on a personal level so i could be completely wrong as well <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next from Tom Murray how do you feel about the FIA's decision to ban drivers from making political statements uh, any coincidence that it happened at the same time that Seb retired um, <laughs> and sort of related uh, Jose V asked would you ever personally boycott a race or F1 in general due to outside events um, to F1 occurring in a country I mean on the second point I, I'd already said for a long time I'd never go to Sochi um not not necessarily for political reasons but just because of in general like not feeling like it would be a safe country for anyone and that's coming from you know quote unquote cis white male like it's i don't feel like it's a safe place for anyone really that is outside mm-hmm. of that infrastructure i mean maybe you kind of get it into the f1 um area i get because it's all the old olympic village isn't it but yeah for 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 a multitude of reasons um i've always said that was one i would never have gone to and that's obviously way before all the stuff that happened with ukraine and getting pulled in the first place anyway yeah um outside of that i don't know i'd probably avoid some of the middle eastern ones due to their records but again that's that's about me just not being comfortable in a culture where I've 
don't know if I'd necessarily be accepted as a visitor. I don't know. It's a weird one. It's, it is. like There's definitely a lot of racing in the calendar that I would never attend in person in terms of like boycotting, viewing them. I mean, the moments to do that have come and gone a lot of times over yeah. the last season. And, you know, it, it goes the same with the World Cup that's just finished. Like, I, I initially said I was going to not watch any of that and I let myself get sucked in and ended up watching, like, most of the back half of it and didn't feel great about it. But, and it's it always comes down as well to, like, where do you draw the line? Like, obviously, there was a lot mm-hmm. of stuff around the race in Saudi Arabia, but, like the same criticisms that were thrown at that race can be thrown to lots of other ones on the calendar. Like there are as much as they pulled out of Russia, there are other races on the calendar in countries that are actively at war with other cultures and other countries. So, you know, it's like, you've got to find a line somewhere, I guess. And like the whole banning political statement side of things is just silly and and petty and it's i don't know remember we we races one that was that was fun until everyone realized it was completely meaningless i think they did they even show the message anymore i think they have quietly replaced it with something else now um Mm. and you know like i did see like the point made like in in the fya thing it was like political statements religious statements and like personal views they're not supposed to express and i think it was will buxton was like well before every race um pierre gasly crosses himself on the grid because he's not allowed to do that anymore yeah like does that come under your completely unworkable statement you've come out with um it's, it, it just it feels <laughs> like that you can't give a personal opinion like what do you think of your position on the grid today can't say not Sorry, personal opinion. It's my personal opinion that I'm not going to give it. <laughs> the walks are going to be really fun. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I don't know. And is it a coincidence that it happened after Seb retired? I think not. Um, I think I think there are certain drivers on the grid who will pay very little attention to this and call their phrase bluff on this. And I very yeah, much hope they they'll do. they'll take the fines or take the reprimands, whatever it comes to make the point. Yeah. Um yeah. I think the 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 weird thing is it's almost like um the FIA is scared of being like aligned with certain things for whatever reason. But I think I guess that they sort of forget that like generally people do see those as messages coming from the driver. Like Yeah. I don't remember when, just for example, Seb, Lewis, and whoever else has done it. I forgot who else did it off the top of my head. But when we've gone to countries that have um, kind of a, a very poor relationship with anything except heterosexuality, they've always worn some form of rainbow-themed yeah. helmet to, to basically support lgbtq plus and everything that's associated with with that and it's always been like if someone's not agreed with it it's not been i don't agree with f1 doing this it's yeah i don't agree with seb or lewis doing that and i'm not saying that those people are like i'm not like sparking the argument between these two sets of people but what i mean is like the people that were unhappy about it were unhappy about it towards the the driver because they know it was the driver's message the driver's statement that yeah. was using their platform. They weren't like going, oh, I'm not going to watch Formula One ever again. Well, I mean, somewhere actually, that's this <laughs> quote. But I mean, we're better off without those people anyway. So if those people go away that don't want equality for people and so on, why does it matter? But you're right. In no the grand scheme seen, of things. No one's seen that and thinking, oh yeah, there's Sebastian Vettel talking on behalf of Formula One and Aston Martin and Mercedes yeah. and Aramco and, you know, like... Well, let, I mean, let's put it this way. The, the teams generally support the drivers in these scenarios, so yeah. it clearly doesn't like have a negative effect for the team. Um, and the team will more often than not support the driver in any kind of statement like that that they want to make. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I I just think it's completely missing the point, really, from the FIA's perspective, just... but that doesn't surprise me at all, either. 
just further evidence of the FIA being utterly tone deaf to mm. the rest of the world, basically. Yeah. Uh, right, I'm going to read the next one before we get too, um, <laughs> too bogged down in that. Uh, Chayla Alexander says, Is this year the beginning of the end for Hamilton? He's been beaten in the standings by his teammate, who also took the team's only pole and sort of a win, and then also actual win. Um, I guess that's referred to the sprint followed by the actual <laughs> race win. Uh, Russell is only doing, uh, sorry, Russell is only going to get better, uh, as well as others on the grid showing just how willing they are to race him hard. Could we see Hamilton steadily start to move down the pecking order from here on out? Um, I still think he is among the absolute best on the grid. I don't think that's a particularly controversial statement at this point. Um, no. It, it's it's the ultimately it's the car that he's given, isn't it? Like, I, yeah, I, I I just agree with that completely. Like, you know, when you when you look at it, putting certain when you when you look at like if you could take any two or three drivers off that grid and build a team around them, out of the what is the current grid, Verstappen and Hamilton are like up there as two of those. I think I think anyone that doesn't put the likes of Hamilton or Verstappen in their top three drivers currently is probably more doing it out of spite because they support the other one. Yeah, like uh, there I've said it. Like <laughs> I think if you're being impartial, you would put them both in there. If you're being like really pro Hamilton, you're gonna put like Hamilton and a couple of the others and exclude Max and vice versa. But I think most people being level headed about it and being like some form of impartial about it would probably put both Lewis and Max in that scenario. And then the question is about like who remaining on the grid makes a, a top three. Um and I mean that's where you debate then I think is a little bit more open because there's good arguments for Charles Leclerc, there's good arguments for Lando Norris, there's good arguments for even Fernando Alonso. So, like, yeah, yeah. I think, I, but I think those two are the like sort of almost guaranteed in, or should be almost guaranteed in anyone's list. Mm -hmm. I also don't think we would ever see Hamilton like steadily slide down the grid. Like, I agree. The with what he's done and what he's achieved, I don't think he's got any interest in like you know like after Kimi left Ferrari, he stuck around at um, Alfa Romeo for however many years, uh, sort of you know fighting yeah. for the back end of the points, and I just can't see Hamilton doing that. Like I guess it's the same with Seb as well. Like Seb moved out of a top team and he stuck around for two years, but he wasn't getting what he needed out of that. And yeah, I think I think if Hamilton really gets to a point where he can't see him self being back at the front anytime soon i think he'll probably i think he'll probably retire to be honest i also can't see him driving for anyone other than mercedes at this point no i'd i'd say the same um i think i mean i could maybe see him go some i could maybe basically see him doing the same sort of thing of seb as to like move into another team they might give him one last shot at having a, a good run at it, but then sort of calling it a day if that's clearly not working out. Yeah. But I guess Hamilton's also got less to play for still in that in that regard. Like Seb was still sort of chasing down that total that Hamilton's reached the you know the seven of Schumacher and so on and like yeah. so I think Hamilton's definitely got less to prove in that regard i mean seb didn't really have much left to prove did it but i can see why there was still something in him that wanted to try and find a team that could give him more wins and more titles um hamilton would probably have less of that drive and if things started dwindling at mercedes like you say probably call it a day there yeah uh right final question this week from mccheco Hosts Christmas wish list. Can you name your dream Ooh. driver lineup for 2023 for your chosen team? Current drivers only. No sitting on the fence, please. Well, I mean that's aimed at you 100. You're the fence there. Um, 
I mean, I think we've already answered mine, haven't we, earlier? It was Checo, Lando, and... Uh, not Checo, sorry. <laughs> Car- Carlos, Lando, and uh, them both being in a McLaren that wins races. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say... Who, what, if I had to pick a team now for next year... You know what? I might stick my neck out and say Ferrari. I will keep. Oh yeah, I should also say I missed that part of the question there. He also said we're not allowed to choose Lewis or Max, but I don't think either of us are choosing Lewis or Max anyway, so it's fine. Um, so I'm gonna have Ferrari. I'm gonna keep Leclerc, and I'll have Lando. There's my team. Sorry, Carlos fans, but. I'm going to replace him with Lando. Now I'm definitely going to have to sell my hat. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it you to burn as like an effigy of I'm replacing him. <laughs> um, and that's a lot for this week, I think. Uh, we're, we're just about up to date with news again. And given how close it is to Christmas, I would hope the news slows down until the new year at least. Um, yeah. We have got... We've already recorded our end of year quiz. Um, that is in the edit as we speak so that will be turning up in your podcast feed we're thinking a day or two before christmas will probably drop that so you have something to listen to over christmas we're going to be back in the new year with all kinds of stuff we got preview things planned we've got all kinds of bits and bobs uh if you want to get in touch in the meantime you can do it in all the usual places we're on the various social medias uh we should probably look into the things that are like twitter that aren't twitter uh, before twitter um, turns to a complete dumpster fire. We'll work on that for those of you who are on whatever the other what, ones are called. What, what do you mean turns into? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until the dumpster fire completely burns itself out, I suppose. Um, but yeah, you can also go to backthegrid.com and you can contact us through there. Is there anything else? I think that's it, isn't it? So I think that's it. Thank you for listening. Those of you who do Christmas, I hope you have a very good one. Um, and a very good new year as well if we don't speak to you before then and we'll be back in the new year I suppose so thanks again and goodbye bye everyone